So our series that we're in, we're starting to get towards the end of it, is called Far More. And each week we've been looking at not just what far more looks like, but more so how we get hindered, right? What keeps us from experiencing far more. Jesus calls it abundant life, that far more New Year's resolution, speak to that. We, we have a list of things we wanna get better at. We will have a list of things we wanna do differently. Why? Well, because we want this year to be far more than last year. And so we talk about the things that keep us, hinder or hinder us or keep us from moving in and experiencing that far more. And the mantra for this whole series, this whole month has been that, man, if you want far more out of your life, where does it start, right? It starts with far more of Jesus in your life. You have to start there, right? There's only so much that we can do on our own. At some point, you gotta say, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm following your lead. And that's where you start to experience the far more. So far more out of your life begins with far more of Jesus in your life. But what we see is, we still kind of get stuck sometimes, right? And, and that's what we're really gonna look at this morning is what it means to be stuck. And when I say stuck, as you can imagine, the, the meaning of the word is you can't get out on your own power. You're, you want to maybe if you recognize that you're stuck, but we, we are limited. When we find ourselves stuck in whatever it is, we're stuck and we can't get out. We're stuck and we can't move. It's easy to get stuck. In fact, we can get stuck on our own very, very easily. That's not the hard part. The hard part is in getting out of it. We can get stuck on our own, but man, we can't really get out of it on our own. It requires people around us. And like we said earlier, if you want more out of it, you gotta have Jesus in it. So what does it look like to have Jesus help get us unstuck? Here's the deal with being stuck. Sometimes it's our fault. We have to admit that, right? Be self-aware and humble enough to say, sometimes I get myself into something that I had no business of getting in. No business getting in whatsoever. Shouldn't have done it. That's one of those, it seemed like a good idea at the time, or hold my beer and watch this. It's one of those two. No business whatsoever of actually getting into it, but it, we, we do, don't we? We don't always see the consequences, so we, we step into something, whether it's overnight or a slow process, and all of a sudden we wake up, we're like, man, I'm, I'm stuck. <laughs> I can't get out. Sometimes it's our fault. We need to own that, and we need to figure out what it looks like for Jesus to help us get out of it. Other times, it's not our fault. We didn't see it coming. We just didn't know that it was even a possibility of, of man, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know how I was going to get stuck. Sometimes it just happens, and man, it's just our, our, our innocence, right? Our innocence, sometimes we fall into certain things unintentionally. <laughs> no clue it was going to happen. No clue that it was even a possibility of happening. Maybe it was somebody else's fault. That happens. We get stuck because of other people's actions sometimes. Regardless of how you got stuck, we get stuck. Now, here's what you have to do because the rest of our 20 minutes together is, is not gonna be very helpful <laughs> if, if you can't identify that one thing. And it might be more than one, but for the sake of this morning, at least try to get one. Where are you stuck? You need to identify one. Where are you stuck? Where do you feel limited? What do you feel like, man, if, if things were different, that's, that's a good cue on how you know if you're stuck. If you start using that phrase, man, if things were different, then I would. If my situation was a little bit different, then I would. That's gonna start helping you identify there's an area you're stuck in. Your fault, not your fault. At this point, it doesn't matter. You are stuck. Where are you stuck? What are you stuck in? Let me give you some examples. Maybe help you think through some. Maybe it's stuck emotionally in some way. Right? Maybe it's through anxiety, depression, discouragement, fear, anger. 
where you feel hindered and limited on, man, I, I, I wanna dig into relationships and, and I wanna dive in with other people and, and I wanna be able to enjoy life, but I just can't because I feel so stuck. Maybe it's with relationships, not necessarily stuck with another person. I'm not talking about that here. <laughs> but maybe there's tension in that relationship. Maybe there's so much conflict and baggage and history in that relationship where, where you and that other person just can't move past it and, and you want to, but you feel like you're just caged in, you're, you're stuck in some way. Maybe you want to have that healthy marriage, but man, it's, we're just stuck and we don't know how to get out. We're almost roommates. We're not married. What, what are we supposed to do? I feel stuck. Maybe it's with finances. And we, we get stuck in our finances. That's why we do things like FPU to help us get unstuck in those areas. There's, there's some interesting research on how, how stuck Americans are in their finances. Here is some statistics from the Wallet Hub Research Company, the Wallet Hub Research Group, just on credit card debt. I'm not talking about house debt, mortgage debt, any of that, just credit card debt. Listen to this. The average American credit card debt, you ready? Is $8,600. $8,600 is the average credit card debt. Now, some of you are like, wow, that's insane. That's a lot. Others of you are like, that's it? Mine's a lot more than that. <laughs> How do I only get that? And somewhere in between, the average is $8,600. Now, they dug in a little bit more, and of those people that participated and they got the information, they followed up to get a little bit more information about their situation. Out of everybody that they talked to with their credit card debt, listen to this, 13% of them had no clue how they got there in the first place. Now that's telling, right? That, that speaks to getting stuck where I've got all this credit card debt, but I don't even know how I ended up here. Like, where did it start? Where did it begin? Stuck and didn't even know how they got stuck. When you look at all of Americans coast to coast, 40% of households, 40%, 41%, I'm sorry, 41% of all households have some kind of credit card debt. And here's the kicker. If you were to add up everybody's current credit card debt, as of December of 2018, that number was almost $1 trillion just in credit card debt. If you take in other debts, you know, when you talk land and real estate and everything else, it goes over $13 trillion for debt. Can we agree we're stuck in some areas? <laughs> Where are you stuck? You have to answer that question. Whether it's your fault or not your fault. Where are you stuck? Where do you feel like you you are paralyzed. You can't get out of it. Whatever it is, identify it. Because if you want to experience far more, we have to figure out what it is so then we can also figure out, through Jesus' words, how we can begin to overcome it. See, getting unstuck is really finding freedom. We're using the word stuck and unstuck, but stuck is, I can't do this on my own, and unstuck is, Jesus, you've got to free me from something whether it's something emotional, whether it's something tangible, physical, financial, addiction-based, habit-based, you name it, wherever you are stuck, we need to find freedom from that. We will never experience far more out of our life until we first begin with Jesus, we said that, but then we also have to get unstuck from some things. We have to find freedom from some certain things or we will constantly be living in this box, this cage with these limitations that say you can't. So that's what I want us to do this morning. We're going to look at a story out of John chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, head over there. John 5, we'll put them on the screen behind me here. This story, if you just looked at it for face value, is a healing story. One of many. Jesus comes into town, heals somebody. It's a miracle. Everybody's amazed. It's awesome. Let's move on to the next miracle. But we're going to dig in a little bit more, and we're actually going to see a plan in place. We're going to see Jesus actually help a man not just get healed, 
This is not a plan to get healed, so don't take me at that, right? But we're going to look at the application from a standpoint of how do we get unstuck based on what Jesus did for this individual that we're going to read about. So here we go. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Here's what John records. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool. Now we're talking about the temple. If you're familiar with any of that or you care to know any of that, it's around the temple area close to the sheep gate. There's a pool actually known as the healing pool or in Aramaic, it was called Bethesda. And here it tells us what it looked like and who was around it. So in which this pool, Bethesda, it's surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here is a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So right there we get a vision for what this looks like around the temple in Jerusalem. There's this pool called Bethesda, and it had these big columns, so it was a shady area. A lot of people that were in need, whatever they were stuck in right? Disabled, couldn't walk. They, they were sick in some way. They were blind. Whatever it was, they would have a mat similar to this that they would lay down next to this pool called Bethesda, or as we call it now, the healing pool. Now, here's the thing with the healing pool. The superstition in Jesus's day was that if you were around that pool, you were waiting and watching for something. Now, again, this is, this is not biblical. This is that kind of cultural superstition that they've held at the time. What they would be watching for is for the pool to ripple or for there to be some kind of movement in the water that they couldn't see or explain. And what they believed it was, was an angel coming down, touching the waters, and then the superstition was the first person to get in the water, that person would be healed. So you can imagine why all these people that were in need, that were stuck in some way, would just crowd around this pool. And they were all intently waiting and watching for that water to move in the hopes that this superstition might even have some validity to it which we don't think it did, but they believed it, waited for that water to stir, and then the first one in supposedly would be healed. So we get introduced to a man that was similar to many of those others that were sitting and waiting and watching around this healing pool. Verse five, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Invalid is a generic term for somebody that was paralyzed or had some sickness that was debilitating. For 38 years, Verse six, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him this question. I want us to read this question out loud together. So read this with me. He asked him, do you want to get well? It's a great question, isn't it? It's a pretty simple question. It's a pretty basic, and I would say the answer to that question is pretty obvious. But I love that Jesus asked that question because there's a lot of other questions Jesus could have asked. Here's a man that's stuck in, as scripture tells us, this condition, remember how long again? For 38 years. So whatever you're stuck in, imagine being stuck for 38 years. For some of you, it's been longer than that. For some of you, can't fathom being stuck in it for that long. 38 years, he's been stuck, waiting for something to change, hoping for something to change. And Jesus comes along and notices this man in particular and asked him that question, do you want to get well? Like I said, love the question, but love the question Jesus did not ask. What Jesus didn't ask was, well, how did that happen? Because it doesn't say from birth, it says for the last 38 years. So Jesus doesn't dig in. Well, tell me your story. How did exactly did it happen? Why did it happen? And, and you, you're waiting around here. Is there anybody, do you have family? He doesn't investigate the situation whatsoever, does he? He doesn't ask the questions of how or why or who. All he asks is, do you? Do you want to get well? Now, that's interesting because for us, we love the how and the why questions. 
Most of us want to know that. We love details. Give me more information. Help me understand. So how did this happen? Why did it happen? We want to know. When we get stuck, well, how did I get here? When we get stuck, well, well, why did this happen? Or it was their fault, so why did they do that? And why am I having to deal with the consequences of their actions? We love asking and love knowing the how and the why. Here's why I know that's true. And in fact, we're going we're gonna to test this. I have an experiment for you. In just a second, I'm going to put a picture on the screen. And I want you to pay attention to your first thoughts. The first question or the first thoughts that you have in your head. And let's see if I'm close to it. All right, here we go. Here's the picture. There you go. Now, my guess is over half of you, the first thought, the first question that kind of goes through your head is something like, how in the world did that happen? Right? Not if that's you. You just want to know how. Like, that, that shouldn't have happened. That's not natural. No way that happened on its own. So somebody had to do that. I want to know who did it. Well, you want to know that. Why, why is the turtle on a pole, on a post? Why? So depending on how artsy you are and how logical you are, the logical ones of you would just want to know how. The artsy people, you want to know the purpose behind it. Well, maybe he's gaining a new perspective. I want to help me understand your frame of mind, Mr. Turtle. That's you. So we're going to split the room probably about like that. Now, there's a very few of you. I would say a handful of you that your heart breaks for this turtle. Like you looked at that and you just said, I just want to help you. Who, you go to the who, you, who would dare put you up there, you poor little turtle. You come, you come home with me right now. <laughs> There's a handful of you that that's you, right? And I'm seeing a few nods like he nailed me. You're the one that has some tears going down your eyes right now. Now, there's probably one, maybe two of you in a room this size where you look at that and you said, dude, I totally have done that before. <laughs> in fact, I think I took that picture. Yeah, that's me. I'm all over that. There's a few of you where that's you, right? But most of us, we look at the, the situations and the conditions we're stuck in and, oh, we investigate them to death. Well, how and why and, and what if and who? Jesus doesn't ask any of those. He simply asks the question, say it with me again, do you want to get well? It's a yes or no question. And we would expect that answer to be an emphatic, resounding, yes, of course, I've been stuck here for 38 years. Of course, whoever you are, of course, I want to get better. Of course, I want to get well. Of course, I want to see change. But don't be shocked when the answer is a little bit different, because I think it's probably the answer that we find ourselves in, especially when we're stuck. So Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Here's his response, verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Did you catch it? Don't miss it. He does not answer Jesus' question. Instead, he jumps to the explanation. He jumps to the how and the why and the who. And I'm not faulting him for this because we do this too. Do you want to get well? Well, I can't because I don't have anybody to help me in the pool. And every time I try to get in the pool, I'm always the last one. Somebody else gets there ahead of me and I miss out. Do you hear the excuses? Do you hear the explanations? Do you hear the blame? I don't have someone else to. So when we get stuck, that's where we go, isn't it? Let me test this on you. Be careful, this might get a little convicting. If I ask you this question, do you want to get unstuck? Where does your head go? Do you immediately go to, yes, of course, yes, please. I, I've been stuck in this for so long, of course I went out. What a dumb question, Brian. Or you say, well, I mean, 
I don't see how I can. Or maybe it's, do you want to get out of debt? Well, I mean, if I got a raise, then yeah, sure, that would help. Would you want to have a better marriage? Well, she would stop nagging me, of course. <laughs> well, do you want to have more rest and some more time? Well, once this season's over then, oh, do you see what we do? We explain, we give excuse, and we start to even push on blame. Not because we're being mean. Don't mishear me here. It's just natural. When we are stuck, like this man was stuck here, when we are stuck, we don't see another way out. So when Jesus, and again, we're going to see, this man doesn't know that it's Jesus. So when Jesus comes up and says, well, do you want to get better? Our default response is, it doesn't even seem possible. My plan's not working. I have no one to help me. So why even answer the question? Do you hear the defeat in his voice? Sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool. In other words, I'm alone, dude. Of course this isn't, I mean, what a dumb question. Yes, but it's never gonna happen. And even when I try to do it on my own, I, I can never do it. I never make it on time. Somebody always beats me to it. When we are stuck, we recognize our limitations. And don't miss it, we, we most certainly are limited. That's why we're stuck. That's why we can't get out. <laughs> but don't miss that Jesus has no limitations. Our limitations are most certainly, hear this, are most certainly not Jesus's limitations. So do you want to get unstuck? Where do your thoughts go? Yes, yes, of course. I'll do whatever it takes. Or do you want to get unstuck? I don't see how it's possible. Now, what's great about our Lord Jesus is he is full of grace and he meets us right where we're at. He doesn't chastise this man for, uh, that's not the question. <laughs> answer the question. He doesn't get on him for, this was a simple yes or no question. You can't even answer my question. He doesn't get on him for, well, don't give me excuses or blame. Look what Jesus does. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once, in that moment, in that instant, in that second when his voice was heard, at once the man was cured. And he picked up his mat and he walked. Now, right there is our plan. That's what we're going to hone in on for the next few minutes here. Because this man's plan wasn't working. He was stuck. And think back, his plan, because he even told it to Jesus. My plan, he would say, is here's how I'm going to get better. Here's, if I have any hope of getting unstuck, it's to either have somebody help me get into this pool or some way I'm faster than everybody else. Now, he's paralyzed, so he's going to rely on somebody else to do that. That's his plan. And he's probably been holding on to that same plan for 38 years. Let's call it what it is. It's not working. Whatever plan that you have to get unstuck, if it's not working, it's not working. It's time to change it up and try to look for another plan, another answer. But again, when we are stuck, we feel limited, don't we? And we don't see another way out. This man could not fathom, could not imagine, could not dream up, pray for, hope for any other scenario that would change his situation. That's our mentality when we get stuck. But Jesus said three things. Get up, three commands, a change of plan. He said, get up. What was the next one you remember? Pick up your mat and walk. Like I said, this is not a recipe for you being healed in any way, but I do think there are principles here for how we can begin to get unstuck. And it's those three things. It's Jesus' plan, not this man's plan that wasn't working. So get up. Understand, Jesus was commanding, telling this man to get up. 
And that's something that he, he could not do on his own. Can we agree on that one? Nod your head if you agree with me. That's something he couldn't, if, I if it's as simple as that, I would have just done it. It's like me looking at you and wherever you're stuck for me just to look at you and say, we'll just do something different. <laughs> you're like, easier said than done, Brian, right? It doesn't work that way. We cannot do it on our own. By definition, if you are stuck, you cannot get unstuck on your own. So Jesus first takes care of that. He says, you're limited, I'm not. So get up. And this, we're in church so we can preach this. This is not a pep talk. This is not a motivational talk. This is not a story of the little engine that could thinking, I think I can, I think I can. No, 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 no. This is Jesus saying, no, I most certainly can and I'm commanding you to get up. I'm gonna heal you right now. This is good old fashioned faith and belief. Wherever you are stuck, we think can't, right? And I'm not gonna argue with you on that. I'm stuck, I've been stuck. Most certainly I can't. The focus is not on us. This focus is on Jesus. So whatever Jesus is helping you get unstuck with, it begins with your faith and your belief in him to get you unstuck in an area that you cannot do on your own. Your marriage, your finances, your relationships, your kids, your attitude, your actions, your habits, your addictions. You have limitations. Embrace your limitations, but don't you dare put those limitations on Jesus. Let him tell you to get up. So he says, get up. So here's the principle for us. Change your thinking. Change your thinking. We think can't. We think our limitations. We got to flip that around and think, what can Jesus do? Who is Jesus? If he really is the Messiah, the son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, well, then I think he can. <laughs> change your thinking. Here's some homework for you. Write this down if you want to. This week to help change your thinking, write down Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. I'll post it later on social if you want to follow me for it. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. And there's going to be a list and it's a list of what we are to think about. Some of you, if you grew up in Sunday school, you know it. Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, some of those things. Filter it through that. So when you start hearing Jesus say, get up, I got you, get up. And you start to go to, I can't, no, no, let Philippians 4, 8 jump in your head. Okay, let me, let me filter through my thoughts. Change your thinking. This man that Jesus was speaking to had to change his thinking. The moment Jesus said, get up, he's thinking, I've never done that before in the last 38 years. You want me to do what? He had to change his thinking and says, I don't know who you are, dude, but okay. Faith and belief change your thinking. So he says, get up. What was the second part? Second part of Jesus' plan was what? Pick up, pick up your map. Now, this is interesting to me because these people, the invalid in specific, specifically would have had a mat to lay on because he was there all day waiting. So for Jesus to say, pick up your mat, I would have expected him to say, leave your mat. You don't need it anymore. That's your old life. You've got new life. Don't, don't, even, don't even hang on to it anymore. Past is in the past, right? We, we even preached on that a few weeks ago. This is a little bit different though. He says, pick up your mat. In other words, the thing that you have been holding on to, the thing that actually defined your life, the thing that you were actually stuck with, he says, pick up your mat. Now, here's what's interesting about that scene. And I do this so you can actually look at it. It looks a little weird, doesn't it? <laughs> so here's this guy that used to be laying on this mat. And now Jesus says, get up, you're healed. Pick up your mat. And the guy's like, I don't know why I need it anymore. I could just leave it there. It's one less thing. I, have. I haven't used these in a while, Jesus. Um, let's, let's ease me into this. Right? You notice, don't you? You pay attention, you're like, something's weird about that guy carrying a mat around. Why is he doing that? If you saw me in Kroger later today carrying around this mat, you'd be like, dude, uh, illustration a little too far, Brian. We get it, we applied it, move on. You notice, 
right? It's obvious. It becomes a talking point. That's important. We're going to look back at that again in a minute. Later on, this becomes a talking piece for him. People look at him and says, why are you carrying that mat around? He says, great, great question. I'm glad you asked. This guy healed me. It becomes a talking point. So we begin, we allow Jesus, we have faith in Jesus to heal us, to begin to say, get up. But then it's on us to begin to carry that story around. So we change our thoughts. We change our thinking. Now we change our talk. We change how we talk. We change how we talk about Jesus. We carry that story around. This man's mat became his story. What used to be stuck now because of freedom and being unstuck, now is his story of redemption and story of freedom. Or in our language, we would say around here, that's a story of life change. How do you talk about where you used to be stuck? I mean, it's inspiring, it's helpful, and it gives Jesus opportunities to change other people's lives. Change your thinking, but then change your talk and how you talk about what Jesus has done in your life. So he said, get up, pick up your mat, and what was the last one? Walk. For most of us in here, that's a, it's a pretty easy ask. For this man, don't underestimate the power of that ask, of that command walk. Something he hasn't done in 38 years. Something that's going to be a little shaky at first. Going to have to relearn some things. Going to have to change some things. Going to have to get used to some things. For this man, it's a whole new life now. Change your thinking. Change your talk. Now change your walk. Here's what I mean by that. Now that you're up, you're unstuck, you're moving, let's not get stuck in the same thing again. So change your lifestyle. Change your walk. Change your steps. Walk is not run. It's, it's step by step by step, one foot in front of the other. So change those steps to lead you to where God wants you to be. So maybe that's changing some behaviors. Maybe that's changing some boundaries. Maybe that's changing some disciplines. What do you need to change in your walk, in your life, so that, I'm not saying we're not gonna fall back to me and stuff. We're gonna, we stumble in the right direction. <laughs> but put the right things in place. Put the right steps in place. Change your walk. Last thing I want you to see. Told you we'd come back to this one. Remember people notice that he's carrying a mat around? It's exactly what happened. It says this. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed look, had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now, don't miss this part. This man didn't know who Jesus was, but man, I'm up, I'm walking, I'm carrying my mat. The Pharisees, the religious leaders said, well, who, who told you to do that? And once he told him, he's like, I don't know who. They said, well, we gotta figure this out. Notice, the religious leaders, check this out, missed the miracle. The guy's carrying a mat around because he just got healed and been, been paralyzed for 38 years. And the Pharisee says, why are you carrying your mat around? Not, wow, you can walk, <laughs> And then it was, well, why are you carrying your mat? Well, I got healed. Instead of asking, well, that's amazing. How did that happen? It was, well, who told you to do that? When we get stuck, we miss out on the miracles around us. These religious leaders were so stuck in their own ways, they missed out on what Jesus was doing. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip a bunch of this, but if you wanna see Jesus go on a little soapbox rant, keep reading, because that's exactly what he does. These religious leaders get all mad at Jesus for healing people on Sabbath and going against the laws and everything. So he just lights into them, completely goes after them and gives a long, long rant on why he's God and they're not. And he sums it up. Listen to what he says here. And he's talking just to the religious leaders. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you possess eternal life. 
These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Look at this. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Oh, man, that, that's got to hurt for those religious leaders. You're looking for life in all the wrong places, in other words. Yet you refuse to come to me to find life. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. In other words, change your thinking, change your talk, change your walk. But it begins with the get up, and the only person that can do that is Jesus. That's where you find life. If you're going to try to get unstuck on your own, you're not going anywhere. Let Jesus get you unstuck. And then we pick up our mat and we walk. Out of that plane of three things, one of them Jesus could only do. The other two we could actually do. He has to do the get up. We have to do the pick up your mat and walk. Life is only found in him. My hope and my prayer is you identify where you're stuck. I pray that you would have faith that Jesus can get you unstuck. In other words, give you freedom from whatever that it thing is. But carry it around on your shoulder. Not as baggage, not as shame, not as guilt, but as a story of freedom and of life change. And yes, change some things along the way. But may we not put our limitations on Jesus. Because if we want far more out of our life, we have to first have far more of Jesus in our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the stories that we are able to hear and learn and grow from. God, we all have things that we're stuck in the middle of. Relationally, financially, job, career, even inside our own heart and our own mind, we get stuck. We get stuck in the mud. We get stuck in a rut. We just get stuck and we have no clue how to get out on our own. In fact, the plans that we have to get out uh, end up not being great plans. So right here, right now, wherever we are stuck, God, we are looking to you to tell us to get up. Not because we can do it on our own. We need you to intervene in some way, to do what only you can do. And we recognize and we admit Sometimes we place our limitations on you, but no more. Yes, we have limitations. There is plenty we cannot do. But Holy Spirit, may you move in our hearts and our minds so that we never put those limitations on you. Jesus, tell us to get up. Tell us to move, tell us to change. Not because we can, but because you, you do that in us and for us. But we still have responsibilities to pick up our mat, to change how we talk and to change our steps and change our walk so that more people get to experience the freedom we do. So God, may we experience freedom this morning and may our stories of life change begin to impact the other people in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.